1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad
2: big goal a couple of minutes ago by the Calgary Flames Elias Lindholm Calgary and Montreal tied 1-1 with 11 and a half minutes left in the third period Tyler Toffoli got his 20th of the year in the second period And you know what it is for the Flames. They are trying, trying, trying to stay alive. The math is not in their favor, but if they were able to win this one today, especially in regulation, the math would look just a little bit better and they would have a little bit more hope as they try to track down Montreal for the fourth and final playoff spot in the north. Coming into tonight, Montreal 16 games remaining, Calgary 13 games remaining, and the Flames four points back of the Canadians, so again the math is not in their favor. We talked to Pat Steinberg last night that the Flames, I mean, really got to win at least at least nine of their remaining thirteen games, and probably more. And uh, but here's their advantage. Here's their advantage. They still play the Canadians three more times after tonight, and those games are all going to be next weekend in Calgary. So you know the Flames trying to make it interesting. It's 1-1, now 11 minutes to go in the third period in that game. Also tonight, Bruins lead the Islanders 1-0. That's early in the second period. Posternak is 17th of the season. Sharks and Wild about to get underway. And the Golden Knights are going to play the Ducks. Kings and Avalanche now postponed as the Colorado Avalanche have had some games postponed because of the uh, COVID protocol. What's going on there is... A third Colorado Avalanche player entering the COVID protocol earlier today. So the, ga- the games tonight and Sunday against Los Angeles, as well as April 20th, that's Tuesday against St. Louis, are postponed. Pending test results, the NHL says it ex- expected the NH- the uh, Avs will be able to reopen their facilities for practice on Wednesday the 21st and return to action on Thursday the 22nd. So covid protocol COVID still affecting teams around the league so another team with some issues there the Vancouver Canucks are ready to get back at it it's going to be Sunday a bevy of changes today announced by the National Hockey League and several of them affect the Edmonton Oilers I was talking about it with Jay Lynn, the most immediate one the one you'll want to remember for tomorrow's game against the Jets is that the game will now start at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. It was originally penciled in for 8. It's now a 5 o'clock face-off, and it's on 6.30, shed with the face-off show at 3.30. So we'll get you ready for that one, and it's a big one between the Oilers and the Jets. Toronto and Vancouver, they were going to play tomorrow in that 5 o'clock spot on Hockey Night in Canada. It's been pushed back to Sunday. Uh, another game between those two teams pushed back from Monday to Tuesday. I can also tell you this for the Oilers. Now, it's a little further down the road, but in May, they will have four consecutive games against the Vancouver Canucks. Edmonton at Vancouver gets dropped in on the 3rd. Edmonton was originally supposed to host Vancouver on May 4th. That's now going to be in Vancouver. So they're in Vancouver for two, May 3rd and 4th. They will now host Vancouver for two games, May 6th and 8th. And then... They have those two games in Montreal that are being made up from earlier in the season. One of those got moved today. So rescheduled games are now being rescheduled. That's what it's come to in the North division. So instead of playing in Montreal back to back on May 10th and 11th, it'll now be May 10th and 12th. And a game between the Canucks and Oilers that was going to be on May 13th is now May 15th. So, With all the rescheduling over the last few weeks, the Oilers' final regular season game has gone from May 7th to May 15th. And the end of the regular season in the North Division has gone from May 8th to now May 19th. There is now a game, Flames-Canucks, on May 18th and another one on May 19th. Start time to be determined. And I wonder, I wonder if those games aren't going to affect playoff spots if perhaps they don't get played at all. And I I know every time we talk to somebody from the NHL or John Shannon joins us, they all say, we're getting to 56, we're getting to 56 for every team. Well, that is the goal. And I don't think they're going to back down from that goal until they maybe have no choice or they realize, okay, we don't need to play these games between two non-playoff teams. And and again, despite Calgary's push right now, they're uh, still a long shot to make the playoffs. So that's the update on the schedule Again, the most immediate thing you need to know tomorrow is uh, the games at 5. Games at 5. Face-off show at 3.30 here on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can get in touch. 780-496-0063 is the CertainTeed hotline. CertainTeed professional-grade building materials. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And you can email the show, inside sports at 630 chcom all right, so more news for the Oilers. Oh, first of all, Dave Tippett, by the way, uh, just commented on the pluses and the minuses of dealing with a six-day break.
1: If you ask me Monday, I would say they help. <laughs> but if you asked me Thursday, I just want to get playing. So we came off that four and six, and we wanted to, you know, we needed a break both mentally and physically, and uh Now by Thursday and Friday, you want to get playing. So, you know all these all this stuff. And like, as a coach, you're going to work with it any way it comes. You're going to try to make the best of it and try to make sure your team is prepared, whether you got six days off or you're trying to get them rest in a four and six. So, no matter what happens, you're always just trying to maximize what you're doing. And it probably gets a little more frustrating when you when you. You know, the first day or two, you get that rest, and then you come back, now you want to get going again. So so I think our guys will be anxious to play tomorrow, but uh, that rhythm of playing every other day, it seems like its that's the rhythm you want to get into. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow. A little bit
2: there from Dave Tippett as the Oilers get set to face the Winnipeg Jets. The standing situation there is... The Jets have five more points than the Oilers, but the Oilers now have two games in hand, which it's kind of flipped around for some teams here. The Oilers had more games played generally for most of the season. Vancouver had most of the games played in the North, and Edmonton was second. Now with Edmonton missing some time, they have games in hand on, uh, well, almost everybody, not on not on Montreal and Vancouver. So the Oilers still got to cement the playoff spot. I, it's going to be really tough for them to finish first. I think they can still track down Winnipeg. They're going to have to win the head-to-head games so against the Jets. Also today, the Oilers have signed their 2020 first-round draft pick. He was taken 14th overall in October. Dylan Holloway to his three-year entry-level contract. It'll start next season. So he can play for the Bakersfield Condors once he's healthy, which he isn't fully yet, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, the three-year entry-level contract starts with the 2021-2022 season. 19 years of age is Holloway. He was with the Wisconsin Badgers. You know the story. Really good season there. 35 points in 23 games. He was a finalist for the Hobie Baker as the top player in the NCAA. And Holloway this afternoon reflected on his season.
3: Yeah, um, I don't know. It's kind of been a crazy year. Uh, I still remember the draft like it was yesterday, but it also feels so long ago. But, um, you know, I I felt the year went really good. I thought I progressed really well as a player. Uh, World Juniors, I thought, really helped me out. Uh, Let me see my competition. I love you to be around guys who are already signed. So um, that was a really cool experience. And then I try to take what I learned uh, and from World Juniors into the second half of the year. And that's when I thought uh, I was improving a lot. And the game kind of, I was a little more comfortable on the ice uh, with, with the pace at the NCAA level. So um, I thought that helped a lot. And I think uh, it just carried that momentum throughout the second half of the season.
2: Now Holloway got injured playing in the big 10 tournament his what turned out to be his third last game of the season so he played the final two games of the year with a broken thumb and he gave an update this afternoon
3: yeah so uh it, it happened uh in the big 10 tournament against penn state so um it, it's kind of been it happened a while ago but uh yeah it, it's it's not 100 percent right yet um my my plan for right now is to stay in madison uh just so i can do therapy on it and still uh like still work out as much as i can and, and skate um yeah i think uh i think i don't know the estimated time is about four weeks now until i would be able to play again so uh i'm just gonna play it by ear though like see how it feels i don't want to i don't want to rush anything um especially because it it is an injury that if i don't let it heal right away or heal properly it'll affect my hand and uh my rest for the rest of my life pretty much so
2: and Holloway said he did have surgery three or four days after the season ended. So you heard him say there are still about four weeks from being able to play in a game. And again, that game would be uh, potentially with the Bakersfield Condors, his ELC with the Oilers doesn't start until next year. He also outlined a little bit more about
3: how he broke the thumb. Yeah. I was actually my hand going to the boards is, uh, is actually the first shift against Penn state. Um, I was, I was four checking and I had my hand up uh, kind of on the boards and I, I, don't know, I just like jammed it it was just like a weird play uh, I got back to the bench and I knew I knew there was something wrong with it but I didn't like know exactly what and then um I ended up playing and then the next day it was it was crazy I couldn't uh like, couldn't squeeze my hand or like move my wrist up or down so um yeah but I still I, I was able to play with a cast that game against Minnesota and then uh it turns out it was broken so um yeah it was its just kind of like a weird injury I didn't I like, guess I feel like there's been bigger hits in the game that could have made me like way, way more injured, but for some reason it was just that little player that, that tweaked it just in the right spot. Yeah, it was it was tough. I I couldn't really do much. like uh, my hand my hand was in like a hard cast the whole game. So uh like getting slashed and stuff didn't hurt because I was already I uh, had like a club for a hand, but uh I, I couldn't I couldn't really stick handle that well. I could just kinda shovel the puck and I you know, I just I just try to do my best and try to try to skate and I don't know, four check as best I could, finish my hits. Um, but I, I knew going in that I wasn't gonna be able to I uh, don't do things in the pocket like I'm usually
2: able to do. All right. That's Dylan Holloway signs his entry-level contract with the Edmonton Oilers, a native of Bragg Creek, Alberta, and coming off a couple of seasons at the University of Wisconsin. He was also the MVP of the AJHL in 1819, had a huge year for the Tokes Oilers, uh, racking up 88 points in just 53 games. It's Inside Sports on 630, Chet. It's 617 Flames and Canadians 1-1 with just under five minutes to go. Back after the break. to armia now i thought to fully deflected it but they just put armia on the chiron here on the uh, old tube anyway montreal scored montreal scored now two minutes left and they lead the flames 2 one so we should have a resolution for this one in the next few minutes and again a regulation loss would be really damaging to the calgary flames thanks a lot for tuning in tonight i hope your weekend is off to a great start we have oilers hockey tomorrow five o'clock game 5 o'clock game, Oilers and Jets. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins not making the trip for the Oilers as he is still out with an upper body injury. Puckpedia, the excellent website and Twitter account, putting out some details of the Dylan Holloway entry-level contract, which starts for next season. Base salary of $832,500. Signing bonus of $92,500, so the cap hit. Will be $925,000. Does have some per, uh, performance bonus possibilities. Could get up to uh, four hundred dollars in performance bonuses in year one. Half a million in year two. 650000 in year three. So a little bit there on Dylan Holloway's entry-level deal. You can get more on him on 630Ched.com. The Canucks who we're going to play tonight and tomorrow are now going to get their first game back coming up on Sunday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Bo Horvat talked about getting back into hockey shape after the COVID outbreak. It's
0: definitely not going to be easy for us, um,
2: you know, obviously, but um, no, I think again, these next couple of days are going to be really big for our group um, to get back in, uh, to game shape and then where we have to be. You know, I think, you know, a lot of guys, you know, are, are starting to feel better each and every day, which is a good sign. And, um, you know, you're never going to know until you get into a game. So it's going to be hard to tell from practice. But um, I can speak for myself personally. I, I feel better every day. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, just continue to keep getting better throughout this process. All right, tough situation for the Canucks. You heard JT Miller speak out a couple of days ago. I think that really got the ball rolling for the NHL to delay the Canucks' return to play. You know, somebody uh, somebody asked me, he said, well, the Oilers must be furious. And I said, well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, they're, first of all, the Oilers are saying all the right things publicly, that they're, they're going to deal with it, and they know people on the Canucks, and they understand that they're sick. But I, I don't know if the Oilers quite frankly, are that upset that tonight's game isn't being played because what this does, and I know now there's more games later in the season and, you know, it's going to drag out and stuff like that, but what this eliminates for the Oilers is a really unusual back-to-back of potentially playing in Vancouver tonight and then flying east and going two time zones away, and then playing in Winnipeg the next night. So I, I'm not sure that that bothers the Oilers. I, I think if they could have had their say on how the schedule was done, and easier said than done, obviously, but I, I don't think they would have chosen to have a back-to-back at Vancouver, at Winnipeg. And we know there's a lot lots of back-to-backs this year and lots of weird things with the schedule, but that's one we really don't ever see at vancouver at winnipeg so i i you know and again the orders aren't saying much publicly about it except they're rolling with it but i I would think if you could get into their brains uh that you probably hear hey you know what not not having this back-to-back isn't such a bad thing just something to to keep in mind okay we're the final 22 seconds in Montreal, so we should be able... Oh, now there's a whistle. I don't know if we're going to get this in before the news, but it is 2-1 for the Canadians. 18.1 seconds to go as they lead the Calgary Flames. As uh, Well, they're pretty much all must-wins for the Flames tonight, and if they lose this one, going to be a big blow for their playoff hopes. Rob Brown's going to hop on the show when we get back. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So the Canadians do win it. 2-1 is the final, and now it is to fully credit it with the game-winning goal at 15-45 of the third period. He gets both today for the Canadians. So Montreal gets the win. They're back now six points ahead of the Calgary Flames with three games in hand. Taylor Hall has scored again for the Boston Bruins. Two goals in three games for the Bruins after having two goals all season long for the Buffalo Sabres. Before the trade, Bruins lead the Islanders 2-0. That is late in the second period. Also late in the second period, 1-1 between the Sharks and the Wild. Golden Knights and Ducks coming up at 8 o'clock. Raptors lead Orlando uh, 45-43 in the NBA tonight. About two minutes left in the first half there. Oilers, Jets tomorrow. It'll start at 5 instead of 8. That's one of many schedule adjustments for the Oilers the rest of the way. So a 3.30 faceoff show on Ched tomorrow. And you can get the full story on 630ched.com. Also, read more there about Dylan Holloway, University of Wisconsin star, drafted by the Oilers 14th overall in October. He signs his entry-level contract that will start for next season. All right, those are some of the headlines as we welcome Rob Brown back to Inside Sports. Rob, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very
0: good, Reed, How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How did you golf this week? I did. I went golfing yesterday with my buddies. We went out to the links. I'm a little tired and sore today because I swung the club way too many times.
2: Well, you're uh, every you're like you're an excellent golfer. You're uh, you're a natural athlete. So, too many times for you probably would have been a career best round for me.
0: <laughs> uh, it was it was not a good enough round because at the end of the day, I was giving money instead of taking money.
2: Oh my goodness! See, I never, I never play for more like if i was gonna bet somebody in a round of golf i might as well just give them the money before the round and not even play just save myself the agony of going through the process of losing it
0: it's all about the first tee and strokes read that that's all you got to do is get enough strokes and it doesn't matter how good or bad a golfer you are the negotiation on the first tee dictates whether you win or lose money i did not negotiate very well
2: well, that's a, that's a good point. I would be, I should be owed very many strokes with my with my uh, level. Who's the best golfer you ever played with? Have you ever played with, with with a pro, even if they weren't on the PGA? Like somebody really exceptional, where you really got a sense of, oh my god, like that's how big the gap is.
0: Uh, yeah, and and I will I apologize because I know I'm going to get the name wrong because I'm terrible at names. I think his name's Danny Saul. Oh, yeah, he's the caddy.
2: He's a caddy in the PGA. I think he he... was caddying for, was it Connors on the week In Augusta, I believe he was. He might
0: have. I do know that he is caddying now. I played with him a couple years ago in uh, one of the Pro-Am tournaments here in in Edmonton, and he shot a 63 in the round, including a bogey on number on on one of the par fives, and he was wearing uh, (laughs) flip-flops. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, at that point I realized that as good as I possibly could be I would be like a uh beer league golfer in his world like it it, it was sick how good he was like it and he was I mean he played I think on the Canadian tour and uh, but the, the difference between an everyday great golfer and the guys that are making money doing it it's yeah, there is no comparison. I, I most respect what those guys do uh, because they have to do it week after week. And the guys that are just trying to get there to be able to make a living off it. I mean, the pressure that they have on just trying to make a cut. So, yeah, and the best hockey players ever. I played with Mario, who was a very yes. good golfer, about a one or two. He was a great oh, really? golfer. Could hit the, he's, yeah, he hit the ball a mile. Jeremy Roenick was a fantastic golfer, but the best golfer I ever played with was a guy named Dan Quinn. Played with him in Pittsburgh, played for the Calgary Flames. He was a, a plus handicap, but he was oh, wow. better than. So he was the best golfer I've ever seen as a hockey player.
2: It is, and I'm glad you brought that up about Danny Saul because he used to caddy for VJ Singh as well. And I, I interviewed him on Inside Sports, I think, two or three years ago. should try to catch up with him again. But a lot of the caddies on the PGA Tour are, are also exceptional golfers. Like, not all of them, but you hear like, oh, this caddy's actually, you know, a five handicap. He shot 70. He had a really good round. But it's, as you said, it's doing it day after day. I, I mean, I've got to play with some, some pros here in Edmonton, and most of the club professionals are uh, exceptional, but I've never been able to play. Like, I would love to just play around, and this is never going to happen but I'd be fascinated to play around with Phil Mickelson or somebody like that in any, anybody on just to see, but I, but I'd like them to play on a course that I usually play on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just to see, because obviously, you know, I play, I don't play 7,500 yard tees like these guys. I play 66200 but it would still be neat to see them hit from the back tees on the courses that I'm playing some of the forward Tease on I, I don't even think you would recognize what they're doing because they'd be so in control of the ball though my buddy i i brought this up with a buddy last summer i was golfing with and he did say one thing he said that they would they would have to get used to how slow the greens are that we play on because everything in the pga is lightning
0: hey, true true but i don't think it would take them long to figure no. it out <laughs> no. oh, so second part they'd be it- fine There used to be a TV show called Joe's versus pros and it was uh, great college athletes and they would play sports against guys that were pros at one point. So uh, I think Claude Lemieux was in it as a hockey player. I think Paul Coffey did it. And they have these great athletes go against a, a, a pro that had been retired and the retired pros embarrassed these great athletes. People don't realize how great, an athlete is in any of his professions when they make the top level, how great a hockey player is, a football player, a baseball player. Because when they see them play against each other, they're playing against each other. So the football player, that the, the, the lineman or whatever that's 340 pounds, when he's chasing down a guy, he looks a little slow trying to catch the running back. But the running back is going Mach 3, like he's going so fast. Like those 350-pound men would beat us in a race and embarrass us in a race. Right. You don't know, you don't realize how great athletic ability all those guys have because they're going against each other or how big they are or how fast they are or how tall they are just because they're all the same size and speed when they play each other. But when they go against everyday people, it's, it is embarrassing how good they are.
2: Yeah, well, I remember, I've referenced this before. This was this was probably 20 years ago, maybe a little less than that. But I, Kurt Schilling did an interview, and I think he was talking about, you know, fans heckling and saying, you know, I could have hit that, or how do you miss the strike zone? And Kurt Schilling said 80% of fans couldn't play catch with a major leaguer. Now, they probably could play catch, but I think what he meant was you don't realize the pace that we have on the ball when you throw it i mean you know what i mean like if if you're 40 feet away from a major leaguer and he throws you as hard as he can the average person would have no i don't think they'd be able to react quickly enough i mean no. they might they'd, 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 they'd have to think about it
0: well you're absolutely right and it's funny it reminds me of a guy that i used to work with at Chad dan tensor i remember i'm saying it on air and so i'm not saying this out of uh out of uh disrespect because he did talk about it on air, but he said, and this is when Zach Stortini was on the Edmonton Oilers and Zach was wouldn't have been one of the stronger Oiler players, but he was a National Hockey League player. And Dan said on air that he could beat Zach Stortini in a, in a race. And I'm like, okay, I've never seen you play down, but Zach Stortini, despite being uh one of the players uh, not being at the talent level of some of the other players, he was a captain in the Ontario Hockey League. Like, he was a great hockey player. But when you see him against the best in the world, he doesn't look as incredible. But if you put him in a beer league game, the guy, he can pick a number and that's how many goals he'll score. You want me to score 26 tonight? Okay, Zach Sartini will score 26. You don't, You just don't realize how good these guys are. So I believe that with a baseball player. He starts throwing a ball, like, you're right. It, it, you're putting your glove there, he's hitting it, but you don't want him to throw it anywhere near your head because your glove's not going to get there quick enough and all of a sudden you got a ball going through your nose. So, yeah, the, the, the great ones, uh, they're at a different level and that's why it's so, everybody should see all sports live once just because the TV doesn't do justice how big, how fast, how strong any of these players are because it is pretty special what they're able to do.
2: Yeah, it's it's like the old thing. If, if you had 100 breakaways on an NHL goaltender, would you be able to score? And in in my case, if I didn't fall down by the time I got to the <laughs> slot, the only way I would score is if, like, out of boredom or the goalie was just so shocked at how slow my shot was coming in, it it fooled them. The first
0: one might fool them. cause <laughs> it's so slow? <laughs> uh, yeah. It, 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 when people, it's funny, it's up to my buddy. Oh, I could have scored that. Yeah, nope, nope, you couldn't have. No, you couldn't. A, you wouldn't have been there because you wouldn't have got there quick enough. Right. B, you would have fumbled it when the puck came to you. And C, that goalie would have been over there by the time you decided what you were going to do with it. No, you wouldn't have scored that one.
2: Rob Brown joining us then on Inside Sports. Uh, we'll be together tomorrow, face-off show, overtime, open line, Oilers and Jets. Remember, now starts at 5, so our face-off show will start at uh, 6.30. Rob, what did you think of the JT Miller comments from a couple of days ago that seemed to get the ball rolling on this further delay with the Canucks coming back?
0: I, I give them credit for doing it. Honest- honestly, I do. I said this on our show 10 days ago that I thought it was absolutely Uh, incredible and and stupid that the the NHL was going to start with the Vancouver Canucks having one practice and playing hockey games. I I thought the players were at risk. I thought the integrity of the game was at risk because you're putting the two best players in the world, Connor and Leon, two best players in the world right now who the best players having a hard time stopping, you're going to have them go out against a hockey team that hasn't been on the ice once in the last three and a half weeks and the majority of them have been sick. It, it, it wasn't fair. Uh, hockey players in general are very quiet and tame and will do what they're told. You don't have the, they're not as loud as, as other sports. And normally you're playing, okay, I'll do it. It's wrong, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to do exactly what I'm told. So good that he came out and said it because it wasn't fair for them. And I don't think it was safe for them. Now, I'm not sure the extra two days is going to do uh, a whole lot. I think that they are—they're going to have an uphill battle to to win a hockey game in their first ten or twelve games. Having said that, I'm glad he did it. I'm glad the NHL listened, and I think social media forced them to. Uh, but they—good for Miller. The, the Vancouver Canucks were not prepared to play a hockey game first against the two best players in the world, and then the very next night against the team that's at top of the National Hockey League standings. So good on him. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, it was interesting debate about it on uh, well on this show the last couple of nights, and I think you know, talk radio and social media a- across the country it it further delays the end of the season. Well, I mean we'll see if those final Vancouver Calgary games even get uh, get played. I mentioned the flames lost tonight, so six points back in Montreal, Canadians have three games in hand. they They do still play each other three times, but Calgary basically can't lose to Montreal ever again it, it does uh it does make for an interesting week again for the oilers and dave tippett said rob uh you know if you would have asked him earlier in the week he would have said i welcome the break and then last couple of days he's like my god let's get playing again <laughs>
0: Well, especially the team, I mean, they're playing well and, and they don't want to, to take long breaks. And The NHL right now, it's almost like feast or famine. You're either playing every second night or, or, or four and six or, or five and eight days and you're exhausted, or the others have been getting these five, six-day breaks. There's not that perfect one where you're, all right, we're going to play three games in five nights, get two days off, then do it again. And they want to play. They're, they're racehorses. They want to get let out the gate and start and start running. And I, I think that the team is excited now that they don't have to play Vancouver and then fly over to, to Manitoba to have that big game, big game against the Jets that you were talking about. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun finish. And I, I do dread the fact that the league is getting uh, lengthened. I'm I'm... Worried that this isn't the last one we're going to see. I know that Colorado has games canceled now too. Um, I, I hope that the the league's able to get through the final 14, 16, whatever number of games are left for certain teams without having any more hiccups that pushes it back any further. Uh, but I, I would have been fine if they would have just thrown all the Vancouver Canuck games out for the remainder of the season. Said, all right, we're just going to be a uh, what is that a 16 division then. So that would have made it real interesting because Calgary would have been ahead of Montreal in the standings at that point. But I, uh, I, I think it's going to be fun the rest of the year. I think right now there's the Montreal Canadiens' big win today. The four teams are more or less to me are set and have been for a little while. And now it's just a, a battle to see who's going to face each other in the first round. Everyone had picked Toronto to uh, run away with this division and Winnipeg, Winnipeg's making a push and Edmonton can put a crank in those uh, the Winnipeg's plans tomorrow night. So. It's going to be a fun last month of the season before playoffs start.
2: Ryan Nugent Hopkins will not play tomorrow. The Winnipeg Jets have locked up Adam Lowry for five more years, deals worth sixteen point two five million dollars. So he that's three point two five per year. He's an outstanding third line center, and I, I wonder how the Oilers are going to roll it out tomorrow. I mean, Tippett said yes, McDavid and Drysettle were practicing together all week long, but he didn't tip his hand as to what he's going to do in the game. That's that's the one thing that's concerning when the Oilers play the Jets. Because the Oilers have been able to to get in on the Jets on their defense a little bit. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, head-to-head Smith and Hellebuck, uh, you know, the, the two starters. I know Brassois played a couple games, so was Costin. But I think in the head-to-head games, the Oilers have probably had slightly better goaltending. But a guy like Lowry and with Nuge out, that, that could really tip it in, in the favour of the Jets tomorrow night, I think.
0: Well, it can, especially being in Winnipeg. So Winnipeg can get the changes that they want. I agree. I think Lowry is a fantastic third-line player. Uh, he understands his job and he does it very well. And the, oil, or the Jets are deep. And if the Oilers go with McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, uh, that puts a lot of pressure on them playing together because they're going to need to have a, a three- or four-point night because without Nugent Hopkins in the lineup, you get very, very thin lines, two, three, and four for the for the Oilers, and the Jets will have a huge advantage with depth in that case. RNH uh, is a huge part of this team, and when he's out of the lineup, you start to see how thin the Oilers are on the wing. So uh, it'll be interesting what Dave Tippett does. I have a feeling that they will play together at times tomorrow. I have a feeling they're going to play apart at times tomorrow to try and break up whatever Winnipeg throws at them. Winnipeg's depth is huge up front, and their goaltending is solid. And you, you mentioned it. Defense is where you get to them. The Oilers have got to be a very good forechecking team tomorrow if they want to win the hockey game.
2: And I mean, I should balance this by saying Blake Wheeler hasn't played a game for the Jets since uh, April 5th, so that, that's a big loss for them over the last couple of weeks for sure. Looks like Yamamoto's going to slide in on the power play. Uh, he's been okay there and plays the Dugent Hopkins, so they're ready to rock tomorrow. Rob, thanks for checking in tonight, man. Remember, we get to start earlier tomorrow, so we'll bring you in around 4.30. Sound good? Sounds good, Reed. You have a wonderful night, we'll talk to you tomorrow. There's Rob Brown, our inside-the-game analyst for Oilers broadcast here on 630 Chet and the Oilers radio network. All right. Rob Brown, I think he, he's modest. He could probably still score a goal in the NHL. Uh, he could probably still get to the right place at the right time. And I, I, you know, I hear people tell me he still has a pretty good release. <laughs> Definitely could do a lot better than most of us could on any given shift. It's 650 inside sports on Chet. love to play around with somebody on the pga tour i think i know he's not in his prime anymore i think phil mickelson would be my top choice just to see how he played he'd probably take some wild chances i mean look i play uh, like i said i i will usually play the white tees at a course so something around Six thousand sixty-two hundred yards that might not not always be the whites but but that's generally the distance where I can sort of uh have at least a uh half brain chance to par a hole <laughs> the, the occasional one I mean if I if I got a par four that's like 440 yards I I can't hit the green and two I'm just not I'm just not good enough uh so you know I, I I've I've got to play a few courses in the area I play riverside quite a bit it's not too far from my house it's not a long course and it doesn't really have back tees it kind of just has red middle and and back i i will usually play the middle though really there's not a lot of difference between the middle and the back tees so i'd love to just walk onto riverside with phil mickelson there's a couple of short par fours that are 330 350 like does phil pull out the driver and try to whack it up there and get it to roll on the green and have an eagle chance? Or does he pop an iron into the middle of the fairway and then hit a wedge two miles into the air and drop it down right next to the flag? What does he do on eight up the hill? See, I wonder on if you know what I'm talking about. Eight at Riverside is a dogleg right with a big slope going up to the green. You can't see the green from the tee, but it's not a very long hole. I can't remember the yardage. I don't even know if it's 350, but the slope makes it difficult for golfers like me. Yeah, I like. Would he just try to curve it around the corner? And maybe, I don't think he could land it on that green. I think that's too hard. I think he'd have to go to the base of the hill and then hit a sky wedge and <laughs> drop it down. But I, I would love to do that. I'd love to play sort of an everyday, every person course with a PGA Tour Pro. For that, I mean, they might get bored by the end of it. anyway appreciate you tuning in tonight the Oilers play tomorrow if you've missed it game time has been moved up from eight to five and Dylan Holloway gets his entry-level contract with the Oilers you'll hear more from him as we move along tonight Corey Hirsch who covers the Vancouver Canucks he's their analyst on Sportsnet 650 he's going to check in in the next half hour inside sports on Chet